Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for all those that are online in the room with us. Come on, we're so grateful that you're here. Man, we are excited. We're back in the Dull Life series, and uh, man, we couldn't be more pumped. And uh, I want to just pause for a second. It's been a really busy week, busy weekend, and man, around the campus everywhere, in our kids' space, in the auditorium right now, at the door, on the worship team, our dream teamers. And I want us to, let's give it up for all those that serve and make this place home. So we celebrate you, man. You guys are awesome. And so... Not too long ago, my wife went out of town. I told this story, but I wanted to bring another layer to the story. My wife went out of town, and man, I was... Uh, I had planned this whole thing. I was going to redo a portion of the house while she was gone. Now, that's usually dangerous, um, but uh, I, knew, I knew what she was going to love. And so we've watched Chip and Joanna Gaines together for years. So, I mean, I know right where she's at with everything. And so uh, we, were, we were getting ready for the home reno. And, and so she finally leaves to go out of town. And, and I paint some walls. And I, and I like, do everything, paint the walls, put wooden slats up, shelves, and the kitchen, and new bar stools, and the whole nine, and um, as I was doing that, the one thing that was plaguing me, there's this one aspect of the renovation that was plaguing me, it was this entryway table right when you walk in the door, and uh, I saw the perfect table, like have you ever found something online and you're like, this is it, I have to get this, and then you click on it to see how much it is, and I saw this entryway table and I was like, that's the entry, I have to have this entryway table, and I clicked on it, it was $3,000. And I was like, does this thing make me breakfast? Like mow the grass? Like, uh, and so um, I did not get that entryway table because if you know my wife, the one thing she loves more than uh, her house being renovated is saving money. And so I was like, I'm not going to die while I live here. So uh, I opted to not buy that entryway table and I bought another one which she was equally as happy with. So I'm really glad that I didn't go all out on that other one. This one costs like $200 from uh, like overstock or something. Anyway, so but I remember I was working on the injury table and then I really had to like hop on Pinterest and Instagram because I was like, man, I really got, I got to make it look right. When she gets home, I want her to walk in and it's right. Anybody relate to that? Like trying to surprise somebody. So I was like trying to get it just right. And I'll tell you one thing that I really underestimated, painting walls and hanging shelves and all that. That's my jam. Trying to get these stupid frilly things to do right. <laughs> that's a whole nother ball game, man. Fellas, I don't know if we cut out for this part right here. So I was like, does it hang out? Does it sit? Okay. Uh, and so this is where we ended up. So this is the actual vase on our entryway table. So keep in mind, I had a hard time with the table and I had a hard time with the vase. All right. And I was like, man, I got to find the one that like fits the vibe. And so I went to like six different stores trying to find this stupid thing to hold these stupid things. <laughs> All right. And finally, I found the I found this one, which was like right for what I was looking for on our stuff. And guess where I found it? underneath our sink in the kitchen. <laughs> All that to say, I found, I found exactly what I was looking for. But has anybody ever felt like you were looking at people in life as if they had it all together, but your life lacked some sort of meaning? Can anybody like connect with the idea of like feeling like 
man, they, you look at other people's Instagram, their reels, their stories, their TikToks, and you're like, man, these, like, they just got it all together, and I'm over here struggling trying to make my life look like frilly things are in the right spot. Can anybody connect with this? And maybe, maybe you've been at that place where you're like, man, I'm, I, 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 I'm trying to do everything that I can, but I feel like I'm kind of stuck in this place. I'm stuck where I'm at, and I don't feel like I can get out. And why do I feel like I, I haven't gotten life figured out yet? Why do I feel like everyone else has got it figured out? Have you ever felt like you're just sitting here while everyone else is thriving? Have you ever felt like you didn't have it all together? You're kind of stuck, and, and you're, you're actually not, you're having not as pretty of a life. Maybe you can like resonate. And here's the other thing. If you're in that place, maybe you can constantly feel like you're being shaken all the time, right? Have you ever noticed how when you're in a season of life where you feel like your life is lacking meaning, you also feel like your life is getting shook a lot? And that's kind of where I want to take you today. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, which is our like theme passage for this series. It says, that uh, I keep asking that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. God wants you to know him better, my friends. I'm going to say this again. God wants you to know him better. Look at your neighbor and say better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Let me tell you something today, guys. The Lord has called you with a hope. He's called you to something, a hope that he has for you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And in, in the very first week of this series, we talked about this thing called languishing, which is right in between flourishing and depressed. And we talked about how the whole country, really the whole world, has fallen into this place of languishing. Turn to your neighbor and say languishing. We fall into this place of languishing where we don't feel like nothing's going right, but we don't feel like anything's going right either. We don't feel like everything is great, but we don't feel like everything is terrible. We don't feel hopeless and depressed. We just also don't feel overjoyed and thriving. We've fallen right into this middle ground where we're like, man, I'm just kind of meh. Anybody gotten to the place where you just kind of felt meh? And we talked about this idea of being in this ready, set, and waiting for the go, and it never quite gets here. And we acknowledge in the very first week that what we needed was a word called flow. And what flow is, is, is giving ourselves over to something bigger than ourselves. Because everything in this world tells you live for you. But have you noticed that every time you try to live for you, you feel like you're getting nothing out of living for you? Anybody ever notice how everything leaves you a little bit underfulfilled when you're pursuing all the things of your life that's just for you? And so I talked about flow, this thing, living for something bigger than yourself. And here's what I want to talk to you about today, because a lot of times what we're doing in our life, when we're looking for our life to have meaning, say meaning, turn to your neighbor and say meaning, turn the person you just neglected on the other side of you and say meaning, all right? What's wrong with that person, man? You know what I mean? So meaning, right? We're looking for our life to have meaning, but here's what I've found. Are you ready? It's hard to feel like your life has meaning when you're constantly comparing it to someone else's. And this isn't in your notes, but I'm going to give it to you for free, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. As long as you're looking what somebody else has, you don't ever see what you've got. So in the midst of languishing, we compare. We become stalemate and stagnant. And I gave you this quote, but I'm going to give it to you again. Adam Grant, psychologist, says this, the acute state of anguish 
has given way to a chronic condition of languish. Languishing is the neglected middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. You don't have any symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. You're not functioning at full capacity. Anybody felt that way lately? Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples the odds that you'll cut back on important things. So here's the question that I have for you, and I want you to reflect on real quick. What could your yes, say yes, what could your yes change in the midst of your languishing? What could your yes change in the midst of your languishing? So let's assume that all of us are experiencing a degree of languishing right now. What could your yes change even while you're experiencing that? What could your yes shift even while you're dealing with the fact that circumstances may not be what you thought they should? What could, you, what could happen if you said yes to what God was asking of you even though everything isn't picture perfect? And I want to take you to this story of Joseph today, where we look at what it looks like for things not to be picture perfect. So I want to catch you up on the story of Joseph in case you don't know it. Joseph is a young man. He's the youngest of his brothers. He has some dreams. And in his dreams, essentially what his dreams mean is that his brothers and his father are all going to bow to him one day. Anybody here got siblings? If your youngest sibling came to you and was like, hey, you're going to bow to me one day, how would that go for you? All right, that's so you can imagine how it went for them. All right, now if you know the story well, he was his father's favorite child. His father gave him a coat of many colors and, and he wore it. And, and so, uh, as you can imagine, like the youngest child, he probably also was rubbing it in their face, like, ha ha, y'all gonna bow to me one day, right? And there's like, oh, watch this. So, anyways, he goes up on his brothers one day, they're out working in the field. And they're like, we're going to kill him, which I think is a pretty, like, I think like that escalated quickly. You know what I mean? But so they're like, we're going to kill him. And then the oldest brother with wisdom is like, let's not do that. Let's just put him in a pit. They put him in a pit. And then after that, I'm, I'm giving you like the brief version of the story so we can get to the part of the story I want to give you today. They put him in the pit. And then a group is coming by with slaves and they sell their brother into slavery. And so he's gone now and they take his coat, they put animal blood on it, take it to his father, and said an animal must have killed him. And his, his father goes into a, a rough state, and he's sold into slavery. He ends up being placed in a master's house. And even once he's placed in the master's house, he actually has favor. Say favor. He has favor. So every time he gets put somewhere, God just gives him favor. Even though he doesn't want to be there, he's getting favor while he's there. And so he's getting favor and then the master's wife tries to sleep with him, and he says no and tries to run away, and she grabs his jacket, and when he gets away, she starts screaming that he tried to rape her. So naturally, the master is very upset, and that's where we pick up in the story in Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 21. I just want to read this to you because I want to catch you up on someone that we could probably resonate with, not having it all together, looking for their life that they pictured to be one way, finding it another, and trying to figure out how to get meaning out of all of this. And so, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, let's just track for just a second, because Joseph had a dream, 
and tells his family about his dream, and it sets into motion all of this chaos, which this isn't in your notes, but I'll give it to you for free. you got to be careful who you share what God told you with because everybody's not supposed to hear what God spoke to you. And you got some dream killers that will try to kill what God put inside of you just because they can't see it the way God wants you to see it. All right? And that ain't even one of my points. That's just for free. Okay? So, so he gets put in the pit. Now, I want you to think for a second where Joseph is at. Joseph's put in the pit and going, oh, my gosh, like, this is crazy. First, they were going to kill him. And he's like, man, like, what did I do? All I did was tell you about my dream. Like, I'm, I'm just telling you what God showed me. This isn't even me. This is God saying he's going to do it. So I, had, I just had a dream. And they're like, we're going to kill you. Oh, okay, we're not going to kill you. We're going to put you in this pit, which, all right, like, if maybe he's claustrophobic. So that's not going to work either. If, you know, like, so now he's down in this pit. And then they bring him out of the pit. Oh, thank God they're bringing me out of the pit. We're going to sell you as a slave. Oh, wow. Like, so, again, yo-yoed emotions for a second. He gets sold as a slave, gets put in a master's house. Okay, like, man, this is... This isn't great but then he gets favor in the master's house okay this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be then he gets accused of rape okay this is terrible right gets thrown in prison oh my gosh this is even worse right but then he gets favor in prison okay this isn't as bad as I can anybody relate with where Joseph's at in this story right now like high low high low high low and he's in this place and this is where I want us to focus on this part of Joseph's story because I feel like this part of Joseph's story is where most of us can resonate. Not prison, by the way. Although, if you look around the room, maybe a few in here. All right, no judgment. All right, so. But the one thing that I see happening, and this is the first thing I want you to grab a hold of, when you're looking for your life to have meaning, are you ready? Is you can have the favor of God in unfavorable situations. You can have the favor of God in unfavorable situations. You see, for many of us, we're looking for God to give us the situations we ask for rather than the favor we need. I'm going to say that again. We're looking for God to give us the situations we're asking for. God, I need this job. I need this house. I need this car. I need this spouse. I need these kids to stop acting crazy. I need this amount of income. I need this degree. I need this to happen. And hear me, what if God doesn't want any of those things to happen for you? It's more important that you would have God's favor in the situations you didn't think you'd be in than to be in the situations you wanted to be in and not have God's favor. And so this is where Joseph's at. You don't need it all to look just right for God's favor to show up for you. Psalms 30 verse 5 says this, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor, talking about God's favor, lasts a lifetime. And then he says this, and I think this is something that made a lot of us need to grab a hold of right now. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy can come in the morning. In other words, where you didn't think you would be, and you're looking around going, God, why am I even here? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like Joseph, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why am I here? And God's saying, I know you're frustrated right now. And listen, you can even vent your frustrations to me. You can be sad, and weeping may endure. It may last for this night. But listen, because you've gotten my favor, joy can still come in the morning. Even if your situations don't change, the fact that you have my favor makes it better than if you didn't. And that's where he's finding himself. So Joseph's in the prison, and, and then two guys get thrown into the prison with him, the cupbearer and the baker, and they, they're thrown in there. And so 
Cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt. They're, they're placed in prison. They have dreams, and, and Joseph is a dream interpreter. And so Joseph asked them, what's wrong? And in Genesis 40, verse 8, let's keep moving through this story. They said to him, we have had dreams, but there's no one here to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? So he says, tell me what those dreams are. And this is the next thing I want you to grab a hold of in this story is you need to serve even while you're hurt. You see, for many of us, we're waiting on God to turn around our circumstances before we get moving again. We're saying, God, when you get this right, I'll get moving. And God's saying, how about you get moving and I'll help you get this right. You see, God doesn't work on our calendar or our clock, even though I've had fantastic suggestions for him, for the record. Like, God, if you did this right about now, anybody? Like, if you, maybe just like in the next week or so, and God's like six months. And I'm like, mm, not what I had in mind, right? But like, here we are. We, he comes in. You can, you can serve others while you're hurt. If you're, listen, I, I put this in my notes. If you're waiting to get out before you get moving, you'll never get out. If you're waiting to get out of your situation, if you're waiting to get out of your hurt, if you're waiting to get out of your bitterness, if you're waiting to get out of your frustration, if you're waiting to get out of your mourning, if you're waiting to get out of your grieving, if you're waiting to get out of how things didn't go right for you, if you're waiting to get out of the fact that the degree didn't go through, or the job didn't come through, or the paycheck didn't hit the way you want, or, or you had to file bankruptcy and you, you swore you never would, or, or whatever the case may be, if you're, if you're waiting to get out of that situation before you get moving with what God has, for you, I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, you may never get out of that situation because God moves moving people, not still ones. Anybody ever, where are my people that are over 30 in the room? Because this crowd is the crowd that should remember push starting a car. See, y'all younger than 30, y'all don't know about this. Y'all's version of push starting is pushing the button because you got the key fob in the car, okay? So like, but some of us remember push starting a car. We also remember pushing a car that's ran out of gas. Anybody relate? All right, see, this younger generation don't know about that. They think you run out of batteries, all right? So, different cars. All right, but I remember, I remember going to push starting a car, but I also remember having to push a car that had run out of gas. And, and have you ever been the person behind the steering wheel? And if you haven't, maybe you can imagine this, but in a car, the power steering goes out when the battery goes out or when it runs out of gas. And maybe you've ever tried to turn the steering wheel on a parked car or a car that's sitting still. How many guys know you got to like, you got to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me eat some protein and some carbs and I'll come back and try to turn this steering wheel. Right? Like, you're, uh, right? And like, you've, you feel like you've given all you got and the wheels are like, beep, right? But has anybody ever tried to turn the steering wheel on a car where the power steering was still out but the car was moving? It's still difficult but it's a whole lot easier than it is on a still car. And hear me, friends, some of us are looking for God to yank the steering wheel of our life while we're going nowhere. And it's a lot easier for God to pivot you in different directions. Even if the car is dead, even if you feel like you're out of gas, it's still easier for God to turn the steering wheel of your life and get you moving in the right direction as long as you're willing to be moving forward instead of sitting still. 
And it's so important that we're constantly moving forward. And let's go back to the story and pick up. So, so Joseph's like, tell me your dreams, right? Because, again, he's serving even while he's hurt. He doesn't have it all together, but he's willing to help somebody else. And listen to me, friends, we got to be willing to say, God, where do you want to put me? Even though I'm not exactly where I want to be over here, where do you want to put me over here? Because moving over here changes over here. And so Joseph says, man, tell me your dreams. And so they tell them the dreams and uh, so this is what Joseph says in 40 verses 13 through 15. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. So he looks at the cupbearer and says, man, you're going to be able to get right back to your position. And this is what he says. Only, only this. Remember me when it is well with you. In other words, when you get where you're going, remember me, Right. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that should, they should put me in this pit. And so he's saying, I didn't deserve to get put in the pit. I didn't deserve to get sold into slavery. I didn't deserve to go to prison. I've done all the right things and have none of the right outcomes. And maybe you have felt this way. And so he's saying, just remember me. Now, in case you don't know this, right? He says, cupbearer, you're going to be restored to your former position in three days. Cupbearer's like, yes, sir. That's what I'm talking about. Baker's like, yes, sir. What's happening for me? He's like, you're going to die. He's like, God, give me another dream. <laughs> so he's, he says, in three days, you're actually going to die. And the baker's like, mm, not what I had in mind, but okay. So, <clears throat> So, but hear me, this was still, Joseph was more concentrated on himself than he was what God wanted for his life. He's saying, I'm going to help you, but tell them to get me out of here, right? And this is where many of us are in our languishing. We're fixed so, so fixated on now that we're not willing to move forward because we think things need to change in the now before we get where we're going. And God's saying, that's not the case, and so 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25, Paul is talking in the, in the New Testament. He says this. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Say run. run. All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In other words, Paul is saying here, when you look at people that are racing, they're training so that they can win something that's eventually going to perish. But we should be living our lives in a way that we get what never perishes. And so we keep going, and that's, that's where I want to take you to this next point of what we see happening here is this idea that you won't understand all of what God is doing until you're through it. Like with Joseph, you won't understand all of what God is doing until you're through it. So, what happens? The cupbearer is restored to his position, and Pharaoh has a dream. He actually has two dreams. And in his dream, right, seven cows eat seven cows, seven stalks eat seven stalks. That's just, I mean, like, that's the very short version of it, all right? 
for the sake of time. And he goes, I need to know what this means. He doesn't know what it means. And so he's asking people around him, what does this mean? And so uh, the cupbearer is like, they're, they're looking for someone to interpret these dreams and no one can interpret them. It's been two years and the cupbearer is like, I remember something, which I'd, we'd fight. Two years? I told you as soon as you get up there to tell him I need to get out of here. It's been two years, brother. You forgot about me this long? Anyways, I just felt like I had to get that off my chest. So he's up there and he goes, hey, I remember there's a, there's a young man in the prison who interpreted my dreams. And everything he said was going to happen actually came true. And Pharaoh brings him up there. He says, hey, I want you to tell me what these dreams mean. He goes up, he interprets the dreams, and he essentially tells them, you're about to go through seven years of plenty in the land. The crops are going to be bountiful. Everything's going to go great. And right after that, you're going to go through seven years of famine where you can't grow a thing. And if you don't take care of the first seven years, everyone in the land will starve for the second seven years. And so the king goes, or Pharaoh goes, what do we do? And he says, you need to plan, you need to pull, you need to pile, you need to get everything drawn together. You need to, he, he starts laying it all out. And, and, and uh, Pharaoh's like, we need someone to be over that. And Joseph's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> Pharaoh says, why don't you oversee it? Joseph's like, word? Right? So he's like, yeah, absolutely. And hear me. Pharaoh takes the young man, the dreamer, who was put in the pit, made a slave in the palace, put into a prison, and made him second command over all the land. Because where you've come from doesn't define what God has for you. Where you're going does. And for some of us, man, we've been in this state of languished confusion where our life needs meaning. God, I need you to do something with this life. And God's saying, I'm going to do something with this life. But for some of us, we've got to get moving rather than getting married to where we're at. For some of us, we've sitting still for far, like far too long. You're waiting for per perfect circumstances to get you moving. I'm here to tell you, you've got to get moving to even find new circumstances. And so God is moving us. Listen, and this is what I want you to grab a hold of. If Joseph never activates his gift, say gift. If he never activates, could you imagine, if I were in the prison, I'm telling you right now. Those two dudes came down and was like, we had dreams, we don't know what to do. I'd be like, man, that's crazy. God, you ain't, I ain't doing nothing for me. I ain't doing nothing for you. Oh, we're, oh, we're going to be like that now? Anybody relate? Has anybody ever got to that point in your life where you're like, God, if you ain't showing up, I ain't showing up. Seven of us. The rest of y'all lying. Anybody ever be like, oh, God, until you pay this bill, I ain't serving on no team. Until you change these circumstances, I ain't joining no group. Until you do this, I'm not making an impact in nobody's life. Can I tell you something? You haven't done anything to God. You've only done it to yourself. And I'm here to tell you today that we got to get moving. If Joseph never activates his gift while he was hurting and confused and looking for meaning in all of what he was going through in the middle of his languishing, he never gets out of the prison. He never gets in front of Pharaoh. He never gets put second in command over the land. And the last part of the story, guess who has to come to his house to get food because of the famine? His brothers. And guess what they do when they walk through the door? They bow because God finishes what he's starting. And for some of you, because you can't see the end, you're not willing to get through the middle. But I'm here to tell you, you already started. So get through the middle so that you can get to the end. 
Because there is meaning in all of this. There is meaning in your life. There is meaning in your story. There is something God wants to do through you. And listen to me, it's not to just sit, sing, and tithe, okay? It's to do more than that. God wants to shift you and get you moving to where you can become part of making a difference in somebody else's life. That's why Romans 8.28 says it like this, And we knew that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And you are called. You have a purpose. So you're called according to his purpose. And since you're called according to his purpose, he'll take all the crazy stuff in your life and make it work together for the good. So I want to take you back to Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 and show this to you in the message paraphrase because I think it does a good job summing up what we're talking about. He says, Paul says, I ask that the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Listen to me. He's calling you to do something. He has put something inside of you that needs to be used for his glory to make a difference in the people around you. He has put that in you. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy and boundless strength. And what Paul's trying to say here is when you're doing what God has called you to do, it doesn't drain you, it fuels you. When you're doing what God built you to do, it doesn't drain you, it puts more into you. It doesn't take everything out, it puts more in. And some of us, we're going, God, I just need more, I need more energy, I need more joy, I'm just not happy anymore. And God's saying, use what I gave you. Because he gave you something to make a difference in other people's lives. And many of us aren't doing that. So where is endless energy and boundless strength found? Listen to me. In saying yes. In saying yes. Look at your neighbor and say yes. It's found in saying yes. We've got an amazing story of a couple in our church who, as they were coming to TC, they started finding ways to say yes And they found more in their yes than they could even have bargained for. They didn't even know what they needed until they found it here at TC. And we want to show you their story. Go ahead, guys. I'm Kyle Buenaventura. And Crystal Buenaventura. Over the last, like, eight to ten years, really, we haven't been going to church. For all intents and purposes, we're, like, dead Christians, right? In uh, 2020, he got this awesome assignment. Uh, to go to Hawaii, and I was going to get to go with them, and it was going to be the best thing ever. Hey, there you go. All right, very good. We're not doing that anymore. We need you to go to the desert. Your wife and kid are not going with you, and he went through some stuff over there. Yeah, I mean, just work stress. He says work stress, and that means, like, combat missions, major deployments, like being shot at. Uh, let's see, what else did you, like just so much. Daily like, office grind. And then COVID COVID, hits. oh And he's man. in the desert, just totally across the world. Our stress level kept rising higher and higher and things kept happening over and over and over. But by miracle, like a miracle, somehow he made it back to me. Then we find out we, we were coming to Pensacola. Yeah. We ended up getting in this house, and our house is literally right by the church. I finally told Crystal, I was like, hey, we should just check out this church that's like right down the yeah. road. Like literally, I could walk to it. So Kyle and I both 
ended up looking online and just kind of reading. <laughs> yeah, I saw the yeah. uh, looked on the uh, the website on my phone, and I remember seeing Pastor Brad's picture. Yeah. I was like, babe. He has like DJ Khaled vibes. Yeah, we were like, like, oh my gosh, it's DJ Khaled. (laughs) But we read through like the mission statement and it was like, because even though we hadn't been in church, we still had our core beliefs of what we believed in. He was like, all right, let's just go, let's just try it out once. It was so crazy because it was the weirdest feeling of like being home. Mm -hmm. For the first like three months, you like, as soon as the music starts, you're just like, I used to wear false eyelashes before coming to TC. I I had to stop wearing them because I was like, I was just bawling. I was just in such a like rough place. We both were like really just exhausted. And I just remember we looked forward to Sunday, like, because we were finally being fed. So we decided to go to next steps. And that was a big step for us because we've never Never. been a member of a church. 13 years of being married and never been a member. So I'm with the kids in preschool and they're amazing, crazy, <laughs> but but they're awesome. Yeah, for, uh, I was trying to figure out what I should do, what I should serve in church was on Udemy. I saw Brett get his earpiece in, like, and I was like, you know, I felt instantly more comfortable dropping off Bella. Um, and I thought, you know, if I could, if I could serve in that capacity where I could, uh, um, maybe alleviate some of the anxiety that new parents that are not new to church could like leave their kid and be able to enjoy the service a little bit more then I'd, that'd be, you know, an awesome opportunity. I ended up doing uh, um, venue control. Small groups is a new concept to us, um, yeah. at that point. And, uh, so we've joined the coffee guy. Then we went to the, uh, the, the um, small kids families with small yeah. kids you did the, the, the workout. workout one why are we doing all this like why are we going to church or why are we joining small groups why are we serving in church um and joining a team it's ultimately because like from what i understand uh, it's all about a relationship with him right with relationship with god and i thought you know what better way to to um get to know him better than to be among his people so um, this is exactly how heaven looks like. We're all very different and God wants us that way. Otherwise, he would have made us that way. God wants to use me just as I am. So first of all, and I love that story. Uh, it's, it's so powerful. and. And I feel like for so many of us, man, we've kind of found ourselves at this place where it's like, man, I just, I, I look at other people and I feel like their life has meaning. I look at other people and I feel like they're good. They're like this pretty vase, this stupid vase that I looked everywhere for and found under my sink, which I better not find any of you under my sink. That's not the point of this. <laughs> but this, this vase that, man, it's so easy to look. And, and this, is how, this is how I feel like some of us are, right? I feel like this is how some of us feel like a little salt shaker. Like here we are, just a little salt shaker. Everyone else is having this beautiful, pretty life that's kind of confusing, but whatever. Like it's, it's beautiful, it's, it's big, it's, it's extravagant. It, it's, it looks like they've got it all together. Someone was very intentional about putting this whole thing together. And it looks like it's in the right spot. It does the right thing. It looks like, it looks like wow, man, like I wish... And we're just over here 
kind of small. I don't, I don't know if life has, it doesn't feel as pretty as theirs. Come on, anybody? I feel small. They look big. I kind of feel useless. And theirs looks beautiful. And I kind of feel like when you put me next to them, I don't quite measure up. But here's one thing I want to ask you. Which one's more useful? The vase or the salt shaker? This one might be pretty. And everybody might go, ooh. But once the ooh is worn off, it ain't doing much. Anybody ever felt like somebody was shaking you? Maybe God's trying to get something out of you that you've just let sit inside of you too long. Maybe you feel small, but I'm here to tell you, you may, you may be small in size, but you're great in purpose. You may be small in stature. You may not look as pretty. You may not feel like your life is all together, like their life is all together, but God's got something inside of you. He's trying to get out of you. And he's saying, if you'll come, let me pull some of these things out of you. Listen, you'll make a bigger difference. I know they look pretty. I know they got it all together. I know that they look like their Instagram and their Facebook and their TikTok and all those things are, man, they're just shining over there. But listen to me, I've put something inside of you that though they may look pretty, you create a difference. Your life has changed. And hear me, maybe all of the shaking and sifting has been God trying to get something out of you that he put inside of you. I believe this is what it means when he says, God says, we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. You've got something in you that God wants to make a difference in the world around you with. And I know you've been getting shook a little bit. I know life has been a little bit hard. I may not feel as pretty as some other people's lives, but there's something in you that is more valuable than what's in them. Because though you may feel small, their life is very empty. And don't take beauty for fulfillment because God has put more in you than he's put in others. And I would even say it like this, God may have put the same amount in you that he's put in others, but this is my rally cry to you to take what God put in you and let him start getting it back out of you. Let's be like Joseph. I'm going to make a difference even in unfavorable situations. I'm going to make an impact, even though my situation may not have gotten to where I wanted to be just yet. I'm going to help start declaring what the dreams mean to other people. I'm going to, for some of you, God has put it in you that kids is your lane, man. And every time you get around a kid, it's like life gets breathed back into them. I'm going to tell you, there is some classrooms back there where you could just be the light of beacon of hope that's going to shine on one of these kids. And they may be the next worship leader. They may be the next campus pastor. They may be the next evangelist that travels the world, a missionary overseas. And hear me, God has put it in you to go to their life and put something on the top of it that would change who they are. You may have a gift to lead worship, and I'm here to tell you that you may be sitting out there saying, I just don't know what it is, but God wants to use you to put something on the top of what everybody else is. Maybe you could high five somebody. Listen, people walk through our doors all the time and say, I was battling depression, but when I walked through the door, I met a smiling face and it instantly changed what I was going through. And maybe that's you and you could just throw some salt on top of some people. I'm here to tell you right now, stop looking at what you're not 
and start looking at what you are. You're the difference maker in every circumstance that God puts you in. Why? Because he didn't just put you there to survive. He put you there to thrive. And so let's let God start doing something with our life that means something more than just where we are. So here's my invitation to you. Just say yes. You're like, Brad, what am I saying yes to? Yes. Just say yes. I don't know what's in me. I, don't, I really don't know what, what, where I could be the most salty. That sounds, anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't know where I would go that I could make the greatest difference. Will help. All right? Matter of fact, after this service and after the 1030 service, next steps is happening down the hallway. That is going to help you figure out where you can make the greatest difference. Just go to next steps and we'll get you moving. All right? My question to you isn't what should you do. My question to you is, and I asked you at the beginning, what could your yes change? Because I believe God wants to use your yes to make a difference in other people's lives. Because it's our yes that God uses to change the world around us. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you, first of all, Jesus, that you didn't go to the cross for religion. You went to the cross for people. You went to the cross for me. You went to the cross for us. So God, I, I take just a moment and acknowledge, God, that all of this is possible, Jesus, because you said yes first. You are not calling us to do anything that you have not done yourself, Jesus. You're calling us to be purposeful because you, Jesus, are purposeful. You're causing us to use our life because you, Jesus, used your life. And as you laid it down, God, may you call us to lay ours down in the best possible way to serve people and see their life impacted with the gospel because it's time we get out of the dull life and we get into the thriving life. So God, I pray for every person that's gonna say yes to next steps. They're gonna say yes to a team. God, I pray that you would bring ultimate fulfillment into their life in Jesus' name. If you're here today and before we end, you just need, quite frankly, you need Jesus in your life. You know that you're not a Christian. Maybe you know, you believe in God, but you know that your life isn't right with God. You know, you've got sin in your life and it's separated you from God, but you're ready to say yes to Christ and repent of anything in your life that's been holding you back. I wanna lead you in this prayer and this prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer just puts words to the actions of your heart. It says, Jesus, I'm believing in you that you died and paid for my sins that I couldn't pay for myself. And if you're ready to say yes to that, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church will pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Jesus, give it up for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time. Man, we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. 
So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.